What's good, everybody? We are back for another episode of Champagne Room Hoops podcast, brought to you again uh, by the good folks at New Amendment. As part of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts, and also on YouTube at Beyond Big Ten. Also, make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond Big Ten. Uh, I'm former Illini point guard Sam Maniscalco, again joined by Illini legends Brandon Paul and super swingman Billy Cole. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Brandon, Billy, give us a little update on your past week. Oh, man. Uh, nothing besides work. Just looking forward to uh, watching that Rutgers game, and now we get to break it down for you guys. So super excited for that. Yeah, not much over here. Just been playing and traveling. Uh, team's currently on a uh, – we've won seven of our last eight, which is good, you know, putting us Ooh. in a good position for the playoffs in both leagues. Uh, so we're looking to – Continue that. We have one more game this week before we head into a little break for FIBA. You know, national teams get together and we have a few players that play with their respective national teams. So all things good on this end. Yeah, still going strong. How many, uh, Brandon, how many regular season games do you guys play? Um, Total. Between both leagues, um, probably, if I were to guess upper 40s, maybe in the 50s. It just depends. And then how, you know. how is the playoff format? Is it like series or is it single elimination, tourney type thing? It's my first time it? in the German league. Every league is different. And especially, you know, when you start dealing with COVID, COVID kind of changed the structures of the playoffs over the years. Uh, I would guess this year with Euro Cup international competition, it'll be one and done like it was last year, kind of like NCAA tournament. And then I think mm-hmm. if you get to the finals, it's a series. You know, once you get to the finals, it might be like a five-game series or something like that. German league. I'm not even sure I haven't gotten a chance to to check out that structure. You know, I'm just taking it one game at a time out here. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. So last time we talked, we previewed a um, little bit of Rutgers. So let's get in some X and O's um, on the Illini's performance yesterday versus Rutgers. A, a good game, I thought. Another good college basketball game. Uh, Rutgers is a good team. Um, Illini, I thought, obviously – Started a little slow first half. I think Rutgers was kind of getting what they wanted, especially their guards. I thought they were kind of living in the paint. Um, and then they cleaned some things up. Illinois headed in a halftime and then came out in the second half and um, saw that 19 0 run they went on and stuff. But um, a lot to break down. Um, Billy, what'd you see? Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of just individual performances that stood out more than X's and O's this game. I think. Coleman uh, Hawkins deserves his flowers more than anyone. I thought I was just blown away by that game he had. Um, did it everywhere. I mean, when Matt Meyer and Terrence Shannon didn't have a field goal in the first half, I thought he kept us in it. He kept us from getting knocked out like really early on. I thought we easily could have gone into half down 15 points. That's how good Rutgers came out. Um, our defense wasn't very good the first half. Um, but man, I, I'm just so impressed. And he gets a lot of flack for being an NBA caliber caliber player from Illini fans and, and maybe the old the older fans that don't really understand new style of basketball. He he just gets so much hate. And man, I swear if he has hit that maturity level, if he has dropped some of that emotional stuff out of his game, he just he does everything. He he guards one through five. He was the one in the second half who shut down that ball screen that was killing us um, in the first half 
And then he's also, for me, he's one of the big players that doesn't hunt his shots. And he, he gets everyone else going. That second half, I thought he really helped uh, Terrence Shannon get, get going. So for me, it was all about him. And then uh, Sincere Harris had a plus 20 on the plus minus charts. Uh, for, for that amount of minutes that he got, that's unbelievable. So I thought him and Ty Rogers, we, we've mentioned their names a lot the last couple episodes. But man, Ty Rogers, you talk about another NBA prospect, if he can develop a jumper in the next four years. Uh, he just, some of those rebounds are like highlight rebounds. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. So for me, Grown man, boys. yeah, there was also maybe the last thing I'll mention about it. I thought, you know, Rutgers played Tuesday night at Assembly Hall at IU. They flew home. They basically had one day of practice and flew right back. They looked like they tired in that second half. They went 10 minutes without a field yeah. goal. Um, and I thought we had the opposite, right? We had the good fortune of having that Minnesota game cancel. So we basically had a whole week off since, since traveling to Iowa. And I thought that really played itself out. As the game went on, Rutgers started fire hot. You know, uh, Papa Brad went into halftime and, and does his magic that he usually works. I think he's a great second half coach. Um, little adjustments here and there. And then we just kind of, that rest maybe took over in that second half and, and just huge. We're capable, we're a team capable of going on just huge bursts of, of points. Um, and also same thing on the defensive end. They went basically 10 or 11 minutes without scoring. And that was that. Yeah, I've just continued to be a fan of the, uh, the underclassmen, just watching these guys come in and play and get their reps and get their experience every day. And uh, every day is a new challenge for them, especially the Big Ten. They came out, they handled business. Like you said, Coleman Hawkins had a great game all around. Just a, a good player, solid. Don't know where all this hate's coming from from these people, you know. I mean, he's, he's the type of player that you enjoy watching. He's the type of player that you would hate to match up against, you know. So I don't really know where that comes from. But uh, I'll say it again this episode until I get tired of saying it. Dame Danger is a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you get it to him in the post uh, still. Probably could use him a little bit more, but he still finds a way to be efficient, even when he's not necessarily the focal point of the offense, which is impressive yep. just for his, you know, having redshirted and came over and transferred. And, um, you know, he's, he just, he's been really great for the Illini. Just, he's, been, he's been great all around, making his presence known. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just been a big fan of watching these younger guys kind of compete. Yeah, I got a um... – I wrote a few things down, takeaways from that game. First one, Bill, you already mentioned it. Um, I thought Coleman Hawkins' complete skill set was on yes. full display, right? We've talked about it. I've talked about it um, at nauseum about, you know, he, he could do – I mean, he's a five-tool player. I mean, he could do everything, right? Who would you, even, was on full who would you display. compare him to in the league? I'm try, I, I was trying to think about it during the game. Yeah. He's such a unique game. Um, he brings so much to the table. Who would you try to compare him to? He kind of uh, reminds me of Batum. <laughs> Oh, Nicholas yeah, Batum? Yeah, he, he kind of does. I, I think he's... Uh, didn't you play with him, Brandon? I don't know if he's as skilled yeah. as... Did you play with him, Brandon? Nicholas Batum, no, no. But I think... Uh, no. I think Batum is a little bit more polished offensively than Coleman. And Coleman's he's a a more, more, more of a guard. guard. Yeah, he, he's yeah. a little bit more pass-oriented where he can see over the defense and he's more willing to make those types of passes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, his skill solid. set was on full display. He was hitting threes. He was putting it on the deck, getting in the lane, shooting little jump hooks, little fadeaways. Um, and, Bill, to your point, I think, you know, it, it's like when we get on here, every game is its own, like, different movie, and somebody else is the star mm -hmm. of the game. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about, you know, which allows the other guys then to get in a rhythm. And, obviously, 
allowed Meyer and, and Terrence Shannon to get going in the second half. Another thing that I have written down is um, he shortened his rotation. He pretty much played seven guys. I mean, Goody got, which we can talk about a little bit, Goody got um, a little taste to, to kind of you know, get in there and, and get his feet wet a little bit after coming off that injury, but he really only played seven guys. So I think that speaks to, I mean, RJ Melendez got no minutes. I don't know if we see or anything uh, on any hearing uh, before. Suspension for violating team rules. Oh, so that's why I didn't yeah. play. Okay, then that's my mistake. But I, I still think that his minutes will get eaten up by, by Goody the more, you know, acclimated he gets. Um, and that and that, that bodes well for what we talked about, preparing for March in the tournament, you know, shortening your rotation and stuff. Um, the other thing, on that 19-0 run they went on in the second half, um, that's when they went small, um, which I think is interesting because it just shows Underwood's ability to adapt um, to a specific game. It also shows the versatility of their team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dane, like you said, Brandon, was so efficient and stuff, but at, at that point in time they had to go small. And Bill, you mentioned Sincere Harris. We were one for 12 from three in the first half. I don't think any of them were really good looks. A lot of them were rushed, contested. The one three we made came from him in transition, wide open, um, which was the last person you'd probably think would get us, you know, out of a a three-point shooting rut. Um, And then one more thing I have down, uh, Brandon, you alluded to it a little bit, um, freshman, right? Um, And I heard Underwood, I watched his presser, and somebody asked the question about, you know, what more can you say about these these three freshmen? And he mentioned, you know, Jay Neps wasn't that great offensively in this game. But a point he made was that these guys are becoming more assignment sound, um, meaning scouting reports. You know, you know how it is as a freshman. Now they're 60, 70 percent into the season. They got 20, 25 games under their belt. They're starting to make less um mistakes out there and pay attention to more of the little things and the assignment stuff so he gave them a shout out with that so not only are they growing up with just experience in that regard of of just of just playing and scoring and whatnot um they're really settling into becoming you know full college basketball players you know from start to finish so those are just some things that i I thought jumped off off the page after watching that game yesterday and Rutgers is a good team man they're well coached. Sure. They got you can athletes. tell they got some good they got guards. Some over there. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, how exciting is that for like the pro- not even forget this season, but the program in general? Like, this might be the best freshman class I, I, I've seen in you know in recent history of Illini basketball. How many times have we said, "Oh, that player won us a game"? Ty Rogers came in, his minutes changed the game. Uh, Jaden Epps, his his clutchness down the the stretch won us a game. I just think like we are in such a good spot for like the long term playing long term games with long term people. I think all these players will be back, even with the transfer era. Um, I just just really excited for like the future of the program with uh, with the way that you know Brad's been able to recruit to his system. Mm-hmm. And it's rare to have three of them performing at this level. You know, getting all, major minutes at, and, a young, at a young young yeah, age and affecting outcomes of games. Yeah. So um, let's get into a little bit of scouting report stuff. The week ahead is I, I, this is kind of like just breaking news. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but Northwestern did just beat Purdue. I know last week we talked about how like who cares if you win the Big Ten regular season, um, and it was pretty much out of reach. But now Purdue gets their third loss. Um, Illini are two games behind them in the standing. So, so Northwestern beats number one ranked Purdue at home. Now you got a huge bunch up, right? So, um, 
if we look here at the standings, so Purdue's twelve and three. Then you got Indiana nine and five, Northwestern nine and five, Illinois eight and five, Maryland eight and six. Um, so this week coming up, Penn State at Penn State, and then we got the rematch versus uh, Indiana at Indiana, which will be a good one. But we owe Penn State a spanking, right? When we were on in early December. One of our our episodes, we talked about that Penn State game. They came into us. We laid a complete egg in that game at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so another game where we got to go on the road and, and kind of take care of business, right, and, and get a business win. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say how much that um, payback date at Assembly Hall at IU excites me, and I'm 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 doing a disservice because I had forgot till you just mentioned that that Penn State came into our house and whooped us earlier, but they I think they've also dropped five in a row, so um, you know there could be a it could that be a little turmoil. It's an absolute you know you cannot drop that game right now. But man, we've got some. You look about our at our at our schedule that we still have to finish with. They've got three games on there that I'm probably as excited to see more than any other games that we've played this year. And that's Indiana at Indiana. We've got, we've still got Michigan left. We haven't played, which you know we we've got, kind of had a budding rivalry with them and Jawan Howard and Coach Underwood over the last couple of years. And then uh, we finish. I think the last regular season game of the uh, season is uh, Purdue. So, I mean, who, who knows? Like you, like you just said, Sam, Purdue's dropped one. They've got some tough games left. You know, that, that last season or that season finale against Purdue could, you know, that could actually mean something. Yeah, I think this game is one of those where you have to steal on the road. You know, obviously we dropped the one early at home, as you just talked about. Um, and it's probably going to be one of those games where it's not as aesthetically pleasing. But you just got to go there, grind it out, 40 minutes, um, probably going to be low scoring. You know, a, a lot of the last several games have been low scoring, you know, but that kind of brings attention to the Illinois defense, which has continued to improve. Um, but, you know, Penn State is not a fun place to go to play at. You know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not an easy place to play on the road. Uh, like so they they, they got to have, have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder uh, when they head out that way. Yeah, and I, and I still think the main like we talked about the main thing is still is still prepping for for this you know march run big 10 tournament and kind of posturing to um you know get ready for the tournament and i think you know like i mentioned the shortening the rotation stuff things like that and i, and I think the role defining work we've talked about over and over and over again all season long is really really like starting to come to form i mean the two guys you mentioned uh, Bill, Sincere Harris and, and Ty Rogers, those guys have like, they've literally felt so nicely into their mm-hmm. roles now. You know, when they come into the game off the bench, they know exactly, you know, know your role, know your job, do your job, mm-hmm. right? Those guys have, have really, really, really done a nice job yeah, of that. for sure. And, and, and I thought you hit the nail on the head earlier in the show when you mentioned uh, Melendez. You know, he violated team rules, but he didn't play. But I thought, you know, we had been talking about shortening that, that the rotation from the first episode that we did. I thought that actually helped us in the second half, right? And it definitely helps the freshmen. You know, playing 20 minutes a game versus 10 is invaluable. You know, it's two times the amount of experience per game. And so I, I'm, that's something I'm really keeping my eye on in the next couple of games is it wouldn't shock me to see if his minutes go bye-bye. Um, you know, I do think there's still a role for him. He's such a good slasher, and he's, he's kind of a natural energy player. 
Uh, we talked about his shooting struggles, which is like fine. We, we, we take and miss too many bad threes anyways. I don't really want to have to work our way through this experience, uh, experiment of getting him back on track if we don't have to. Um, and, and, yeah. and then just wrap that up with uh, Luke Goody only played five minutes. So we had been wondering what was going to happen there. It looked like, you know, he kind of dipped his toe in the water. And, I you know, he took one shot. It wasn't the best three in the world. The crowd was begging for it, though. Um, missed it. I'd like to see him, you know, keep seeing if we have something there. Work him in at Penn State's the perfect game. You know, again, said this last pod, but get out to a big lead. Do what you're supposed to do with your, your kind of native rotation. And then get Luke Goody like 10, 15 minutes to end the game. I, I love that plan. Yeah, having these guys bind into their roles. Uh Sincere Harris and Ty Rogers, just think about how much easier it makes the coach's job, you know, where you don't have to manage egos. Guys are getting upset because of whatever the case may be. And, you know, just just having come from playing with different coaches and different cultures, different leagues across the world, you, you get to see how much time is spent extra trying to get guys to buy in, trying to get guys to, to fall in place just to be on the same page as everybody else and realize – it's a unit. You know, when you win, everybody looks better rather than, you know, individual performances. Uh, everyone wants to be around winners. So uh, I commend those guys. I commend the young guys. I commend the coaching staff. And uh, I definitely wanted to shine a little bit more light to that because that's not easy to do, especially this day, day and age with, with social media and all the mixtapes that get out there and people in your ears and you got the draft words and this, that, and the third. It's always something in your ear where it kind of gets you out of focus. And, and I don't really see that with these guys. So uh, you can appreciate that just from a player standpoint, from a fan standpoint, watching them, seeing them go out there with with pride and and not worried about stuff that's out of out of their control. Yeah, I'd argue that, and, and there's obviously a lot of basketball left to be played, but I'd argue that this is Underwood's best coaching job since he's been at Illinois, and I say that because of um, you know nine new players, which we've talked about a lot, and Great you know point. getting these guys to buy into roles and so many different weapons and skill sets at his disposal, and mm-hmm. you had the you know the rough start to the Big Ten tournament. And now they look like a completely different team that's bought in. Um, so I'd argue, like we'll see what happens. Obviously, if he gets out of the first weekend and then celebrate tournament, it's going to be his best coaching job. But he doesn't have an IO. He doesn't have a um, Kofi. Um, so I'd say that this is his his best coaching job since he's been in Illinois, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you lose the first three games of the season, it can go either way after that. You can put your heads right. down and feel sorry for yourselves, or you can kind of strap your boots up and my like, hey, let's let's lock back in. And obviously they took the, the high road. Yeah, we were in a really dark spot. I think people forget we were in a really dark place after, you know, Missouri blew us out in the border war. And Penn State, yeah. we just talked about, came in and whooped us. Northwestern, little brother in state, whoops us pretty good. We just looked in so much disarray. So, uh, yeah, credit to Coach Underwood. No panic in the team, just kind of methodical. Um, <clears throat> now I think, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, knock on wood, I'm not going to jinx this, but we've basically got the games that we're supposed to win and then you've got three chances to go and grab a huge seed, right? We talked about that. Like, you take down an Indiana at Indiana, like that's the type of game that that moves you up from a six seed to a four seed, Uh so totally. just yeah, Sam, I agree. I think a lot of focus is going to be on what happens in the tournament, but but I'm just in total agreement here that um, just really impressive job to him, kind of wrap his arms around everything that was happening, the Sky Clark news, and then all of a sudden five, ten games go by and the roles are completely well defined, and uh, everyone's pretty happy right now. 
Shout out to Chester Frazier too, man. New addition, bringing that tough and that gritness in there. You know, we all know. Yeah, he's the Shout best. Out Chester. I think those. Are, I think Jaden and uh, which makes perfect sense. I think Jaden and uh, Sincere are both his recruits. Yep. Mm-hmm. You could both see a little bit of uh, Jaden from. You the, can see um, Sincere. Sincere has some Chester oh, in him sure. for yeah. sure. I was dying laughing. Did you guys see that? Uh, that well, Picture. when Coleman Hawkins hung on the rim and then tried to stay hanging on the rim and grab the ball, Chester did that. Chester's, Chester's face behind him—that'll be something he should put up in his office. Yeah, that was good. Um, I also think so. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, seven games left, obviously, because of that uh, Minnesota reschedule. But um, we talked just now about Penn State—tough place to play. As far as just it's tough to get up for that game, you know, it's kind of dead in there, but. At Indiana and at Purdue, probably two of, and, and you guys would know this better than I would, but uh, two of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten as far as atmosphere, like just difficult road yeah. games, which I think is awesome leading into the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, especially for the freshmen to get another dose of, you know, a raucous atmosphere where it's really really tough to win that kind of stuff win or lose like obviously we will talk about it more but we want them to win but that's just going to be invaluable experience for a tournament run yeah. at indiana and ending in the season at purdue do you guys I've never, agree i've never won at purdue that's like i think that's the only yeah. team in big 10 that i never beat on the road yeah that place is not just... a large arena but it gets incredibly loud like it's yeah, hard it to describe to someone who's never seen a game there and indiana is a large arena and that also good like I would I would say you hit the nail on the head. I would say those are number one and two hardest places to play. Like Ohio mm-hmm. State has a great crowd, but it's almost like an NBA arena, right? NBA, so yeah. it doesn't get so like deafeningly loud. And then uh, Michigan State right. would probably be fall right in that third spot for me, um, just because they were holding up pictures for my prom night. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, tough places to play. The freshmen too. are going to have to. You know, I did think there. If I was being critical of anything. I was super frustrated when uh, Rutgers switched up their defense. We had a lot of stupid turnovers against that, like that one three one. I think we turned it over the first three times they went to it. So you know, you start playing these these really tough games down the stretch: Purdue's, Indiana's, Michigan's. We got to clean up those turnovers a little bit. Just be a little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ball security is job security. That needs to be the theme for all these guys' minutes. That's a Wayne McLean my special right there. Yeah. At least scream that non, three three times a day at practice at least. I think Indiana, in in my opinion, uh, Indiana was the coolest place I've ever played in. I mean, atmosphere and stuff. I thought it was. I mean, just like you feel the. I remember we went for shoot around, like the whole like Bob Knight, like it's just old Indiana bleachers basketball, like smells mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. It's got that distinct like field house type smell. Um, crowd's obviously crazy. The students are nuts. Um, they were really good when we went there, too, Brandon, in my year. I think that's the game where I think we were watching the replay on the bus of, I think, Cody Zeller when I was like on the floor under the basket, and it, like he dunked and fell right on top of me. There's not a lot of places that can hang five it, national championship banners. You know, yeah, it's right. Like, I mean, they're still hanging the on history, from, from the like, 70s, but. <laughs> but still, I mean, you feel like you said, Sam, the court is literally unchanged, <clears throat> excuse me, from when Bobby Knight threw that chair across there, right? You feel all that, that basketball history in that building. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty, pretty good uh, place. Penn State's going to be the opposite. You guys both touched on it, but I think that's going to be a big game for like the players that naturally bring energy, right? Like Ty Rogers, the sincere Harris. Yes. Because 
I've noticed like Matt Meyer to me was kind of coasting through that first half just because that's just kind of his game. I'm not saying it as a knock, but if he, he's not one to kind of like naturally up the energy unless he's making shots, which we weren't, we were one for 12. So I think those, those type of players need to get in off the bench quick at Penn state and really provide their their own spark because you're not going to be able to feed Mm -hmm. off the crowd at Penn state. All right, let's get into one of our um, favorite segments, Word on Campus. Yeah. So we got another um, situation. Uh, Brandon uh, tweeted out uh, to some Illini fans um, a question and something, you know, to ask something that we could talk about or discuss on the pod today. Um, And we're going to do pick one from um, Will Chumbly. Shout out to Will Chumbly. I Will Chumbly 25. Um, He actually has two great questions, but we're going to tackle one (laughs) of them. Uh, The question is, uh, discuss on this pod, uh, a basketball-related question. Which college basketball coach would you want to play for if you had offers to any school? Go ahead. So I... Who wants to start? I can start if you want. Um, So uh, that's a great question. It's a cool one. Um, First off, uh, I'll preface it and say shout out to my two college coaches that I played for. Jim Les, uh, my guy. Uh, I played for him at Bradley. He was awesome. Uh, Former NBA player. Um, I had a great four years there. It was really cool to play. I mean, total players coach. um, And we related really, really well. And he made me a much, much better basketball player. When I walked in on campus as a freshman and left as a senior, I was... um, I knew how to play basketball, and a lot of it is credit to him. And then shout-out to Bruce, who I played for for a year. Another um, great coach. Um, I mean, the re- his record speaks for itself. His resume speaks for itself. And um, both those guys, great coaches, but even better people. Um, two guys that I have relationships with to this day, which is awesome, and the beauty of being able to play college basketball for, for four years. Um, but as far as who I'd want to play for um, – my, I feel like Coach K shouldn't be allowed or involved in this. Um, so first of all, I, I hated Duke growing up. I hated Duke. I mean, it's one of those schools you either love or you hate, right? It's kind of like the Yankees. Couldn't stand Duke. Couldn't stand Coach K. Like hated him. Wanted him to lose, whatever. Um, didn't know him, obviously. And this is when I was younger. Uh, after he went and did what he did um, with that dream team uh, on that run, I not that I didn't have any respect for him. Obviously, he's tremendous. Um, I had a whole different outlook on on Coach K and looked at him in a whole different light. To be able to get those guys, those NBA guys with those egos and whatnot, to come together like that for Team USA, I thought it was was pretty sweet and pretty awesome. Um, so I, I'd pick him, um, but I feel like he shouldn't count because he's the godfather of college basketball, okay. right? Basically, and so to speak. So um, my guy would be Jay Wright. Uh, Villanova. Um, yeah, he's so smooth. The reason being, he's so smooth. Huh? Yeah. He's so smooth. The reason being is because of the three yeah, piece sure. wears, right? Best on the tail, best and his hair in college basketball. No, for sure. Um, but he's a guy that one, I love their style, Villanova. You know, they used to call it guard you um, back in the day when they had Kyle Lowry and those guys. Um, he just seems like he's got. I mean, he seems like a player's coach. He's got good guards. Um, they play up and down. Um, the way he coaches and works the sideline, his players buy in. Um, you see countless times guys every year talk about how uh, they love playing for him, and obviously he's been very successful. But but I just that, – that would be my pick. There's a, there's a few others I, I would like to play for, but I'm going with Jay Wright um, at Villanova would be, my, would be my guy, my pick. That's cool, yeah. Um, 
So I'll follow up with two of my own. They actually did off, both offered me. Um, so it's not, it, I think, it, you know, I'm not saying anything. I'm still happy with my choice. Not a lot of regret in my life. Um, but I, I do. So the, the program that recruited me the hardest, and I'm talking like four coaches at 10 plus open gyms, like, you know, the, they were, it was Wisconsin and Bo Ryan. And I just, I do think, you know, if there is a tinge of regret, I think if you look at my game and how it translated to the offense I went to versus their offense, I think they're, you know, maybe in an alternate universe, I would have had a really successful career there. Um, and then the, the second one would be um, Purdue and Matt Painter called me. And I'll never forget that call because he called me. I was working at my dad's office and someone, I, my mom must have told him I was down at work. So I like walk into the break room. I pick up the phone. I have no idea who he is. This is 2005. So he had, he told me straight up, I don't know if he was lying to me or just selling me or what, but he told me I was the first player he was ever offering a scholarship to. Um, so I just think about that now and what he's done with the program 20 years later. You know, back then I had no idea. I was also a 14 or 15 year old kid. But uh, I just think that was, I mean, he's such a phenomenal coach. And yeah, I know they lost to Northwestern today, but you just look at what he's done with that program and built them into a, a behemoth of the Big Ten. It's really cool to just, you know, know for the rest of my life I had offers from Bo Ryan and um, I just think I would have I would have had a really good career at both of those two places so that's a great question um, to whoever sent that in I think it's uh, what would we say his name was Will, Will Chumley. Chumley great question I think it's it's cool to hear these these two's answers I could see you at Wisconsin that flex swing offense yeah for bro. sure there wouldn't wouldn't be a John Lewis I know I would have shot there. a lot more threes <laughs> No, um, that's a good question. I didn't really want to go anywhere besides Illinois. You know, I, I think regardless of who they had as a coach, I was going to go there. But, you know, shout out to Coach Weber. Shout out to Tracy Webster, who's the one that recruited me. Ended up leaving, and Jaron Howard popped in. And, you know, Jaron did a great job recruiting. I always made sure that he was around. And uh, then, obviously, when that staff changed and I had John Gross and those guys, uh, we connected pretty easily. So, you know, I definitely appreciate having both of those under my uh, college resume. But um, I, I've been I've been cursed out by the best of them since I was in high school. You know, my, my high school coach, he wasn't like that aggressive, but he, he got after us when he needed to. And my mentor growing up was Dickie Simpkins, who, who won three rings with the Bulls. And he always had some animated stuff to say. So I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I like coaches that kind of get after it just so I can see. Uh, how much I can mature and how much I can take the coaching and, and just kind of keep playing on. So obviously I'm not going to say Duke because that's just, I, I would never want to go to Duke, but um, I don't know, man. I, I would say. Uh, Come on, bro. Pick a coach. <laughs> I would say, hmm, you know what? When Shaka Smart was in the talks of replacing Web Weber, that was very intriguing to me. I, I was. I started That's to look him up. One, I started to see his. His. Uh, I started to see his energy. I started to watch videos, and uh, I think I would have enjoyed his style of play. I think he would have brought out, you know, a lot of good basketball out of me. Um, so I would say, I, you know, I, it would have been pretty cool playing for him. Yeah, he's his up tempo style too would have suited you. Mm -hmm. I thought Brandon, you, you know, you, you talked about Gross. Um, I didn't obviously didn't play for him. I got to know him pretty well because I was still around when you know he got the job. But I thought he was great for you. Yeah. Um, I just thought like the transition from Bruce to him 
styles was obviously completely different and i thought like you really exploded that year when you got gross because you really opened up the floor for you and you're like your athleticism your skill set was yeah, on yeah. full display because yeah. i was still that's when i had just left and i was following you guys closely obviously and um i thought he was he was awesome for you yeah it was a great year man we got to the tournament we got to the second round and uh, i i appreciated the the mindset he he's good with. another good dude another great dude you know he, he came in and just told us straight up like hey like, obviously, I'm coming here to turn, get the program to where, where it needs to be, but this is your team. Like, this is your – you've been here. You're going to be here this year, fourth year. You know, I'm here just to help guide. You know, I don't want I don't want the attention to be on me whatsoever. This is your guys' team. And he, he really gave us a lot of confidence coming in, you know, just from the first meeting. Uh, very much a player's coach. Very much uh, someone that, you know, understands, you know – the certain aspect of being a student athlete, being a young adult at that time. And, you know, his, his job wasn't just to coach us, but he was trying to help us uh, become better men, you know. And, and some of that was kind of giving us like a little bit more freedom, I guess you could say. And, uh, you know, that was good for some guys and not, not so good for other guys. But, you know, I definitely appreciated him and his staff, Jamal Walker and Dustin Ford and those guys and, you know, it was awesome. I want to throw a bonus in, too, because I was just thinking about this. I think one of the craziest things to me that never happened that should have happened, and it was probably because he didn't want it, but I think Wayne McClain would have been like a Hall of Fame college coach. I would have loved to have played for – I know I played for him as an assistant, but I'm just like – I think back to his record as – I don't think a lot of people understand this. Like, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he's a four-time, four-in-a-row state champion in a two-class system from Peoria where everyone – Manuel's school district is literally, like, three square miles. Like, it's not a large – like, it's not some vocational school that he was recruiting players to. Um, so, I don't, I don't know if that will ever be topped in Illinois high school basketball history. Yeah. Then he goes down with Coach Self, coaches on his staff. Bruce retains him. Um and I just thought, like, he used to absolutely dominate. In the orange-blue scrimmage, they would they would have one assistant. Uh, you know, Bruce would kind of step back and let the assistants. Took it personal, oh, too. I think his record with my four years was, like, 24-1 and one in, in the little, like, quarter breakdowns where before we switched teams. I just think, like, uh, I don't know. I just I would have loved to have seen him, like, take the helm at a college program. And also, I love playing for him as an assistant coach. We, we've all got our stories, but... I promise you yeah. the kids would have been disciplined and they would have not gone on. Oh, yeah. They would not have gone they under in, real quick, fast and in a hurry. They would not have gone over under one screen. I promise you that. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that w that's an interesting, uh, that's interesting too, because um, like you said, he was there for so long with multiple different, you know, head coaches and a lot of, I mean, he was very, very instrumental in the success of Illinois basketball those years because of the sure. pipeline you know, mm -hmm. he brought for Emmanuel with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he just knew basketball, right? And not only that, like he knew kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He knew how, like Brandon mentioned earlier about becoming like a young man and kids maturing and stuff like that. There might not have been anybody better at that. Yeah. And he was just had a way about him where he could rip your ass in practice, like right to your face and like light you <laughs> up, like light you up. Anybody. Um, and he's the same guy that after practice, you know, he puts his arm around you, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you never took it personal when he was doing that because you actually felt as a player when it was coming from him that yeah. he was doing it to make you the best version of yourself and make you a better player person. Right. Well, 
Yeah. That's how and I felt one about through Wayne. fifteen on the team got it the exact same. Like yeah, you, right. you know, some yeah, some assistants like you can see like yeah. favoring certain players or their recruits. If for him, it was equal opportunity. Everyone can catch it. <laughs> hey, for him, it was everybody on staff. It wasn't just the players. <laughs> right. uh, the oh, managers can catch right. it. Uh, the athletic department can catch it. Some of the coaches, if you if you catch them on a bad day, could catch it. Right. There was Bro, no. He used to give no it to Bruce. <laughs> no one was safe. He used to go. You mentioned that next. you know the, the the scrimmages and stuff in practice. Yeah. Like like I said, he took it personal. Like obviously he was competitive, but like I, I he said some shit to Bruce too sometimes from across <laughs> the from across the court and stuff. Like he was he used to get lit up. That was yeah. awesome. No, he That's told it. Point, he told it exactly how it was and. You know, if if you took it personally, you were just soft because he wasn't yeah. one of those coaches that was just like disrespectful or just like just kind of on you for no reason. If he's on you, there's a reason for it. And if you can't right. sift through all the extra, you know, all the stuff that he's saying, then that's that's something you got to figure out because everyone kind of respected him the same way. And it was there was really I, I've never heard one person talk badly about McLean that didn't have their own issues with them for whatever reason. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Peoria and Illinois legend. For sure. Wayne McLean. God bless. Um, all right. Well, that wraps it up. Um, so we'll be on again sometime later this week. But like we said, business trip to Penn State, right? Um, Illini look good right now. Underwood's got this team kind of playing the way he wants them to play. Um, there's some things, obviously, we can clean up like we talked about. I still think shot selection needs to get a little better. Um, I thought it was night and day for first half versus the second half versus Rutgers, which helped a lot but um coming into form last time we talked we were focused on the NCAA tournament which we still should be in posturing for um you know seating like Bill mentioned um but this this breaking news of of Northwestern beating Purdue kind of opens up the door a little bit to see how we can finish the season and we got some games against some teams that are are ahead of us in the standings that could could go a long way so um but I think from a, a general perspective, I think the team's in a great spot in, you know, on February 12th, uh, right where you'd want to be in a Big Ten season. Um, like I said, with some key matchups and a chance to really, really um, make some headway heading into um, March and April for the Big Ten tournament, and the NCAA tournament. So uh, both of you guys, thanks for joining. It's good to see both of you. Uh, Brandon, good luck with uh, games this week and playoffs. Um, and we will circle back with you guys next week. Again, another episode of Champagne Room Podcast. I'm former point guard um, Sam Maniscalco, again joined by swingman Billy Cole and Illini legend Brandon Paul, BP3. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. Hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders, our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.